In 2002, Rupert Grint starred in a movie called Thunderpants about a boy whose superpower is his amazing ability to break wind. Cincinnati Freedom was a cow that jumped over a six-foot fence at a slaughterhouse in Cincinnati, only to evade police officers for 11 days, making national news headlines and eventually living out the rest of its life in New York. And Jason Bourne displayed his amazing ability to evade Treadstone while making international news on his way to discovering the truth of his past. It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! I feel the need the need for I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Last Action Podcast. I am LPJ, and sitting directly to my left in a lovely blue zipped-up sweatshirt jacket... <laughs> The beautiful Hovercraft Joe. <laughs> wow, thank you so much for that intro. No problem. Uh, I, I, I don't even know what to say. Thank you. No problem. Well, <laughs> Sphinx is here, too. Ha ha ha, dick. What the fuck is the story <laughs> about a cow that is running loose for 11 days? Listen, man. The these hell? intros. These intros get tough to do sometimes. Do you snort some cocaine before you start to look up headlines? No. Not, not this time. Because cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> <laughs> we have a guest today, don't we? We do indeed. The returning guest. Fr- officially friend of the show, I would say, Yeah, at this point. definitely at this point. I don't know. This is my first time meeting him, so. <laughs> well. well I'll, I'll give an answer at the end of the episode. Here, here for his boat. I mean, I thought you only locked him into two at Zubu, but you got a third one out of him somehow. He strong-armed me. <laughs> He's like, listen, fucker. I'm doing three. <laughs> I threw that third one in. No cost. <laughs> De- Devin is back, everyone. Guys, here in the how studio are you? Great to have you back, Devin. Yeah, thanks for having me, as always. Yeah, always have a great time when you're here recording. So I do my best. <laughs> um, so we are here today to discuss the Born Identity, 2002's The Born Identity. Yes. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> True story. N- not Born Supremacy or Born Ultimatum or, or Born Legacy. Born Legacy, <laughs> which I was bringing this up to my family how we were doing this movie soon. And they're like, what is that? Like the th- second one? They're like, no, that's the third one. I'm like, no, it's the first one. <laughs> so, <laughs> which they should have tried to make those a little bit easier, right? Like well, maybe Born Identity 2, the Supremacy. Well, these are all the titles of the books. Right. I get that, but the books came from the 80s, so most people don't know that. It's all right. Right, and they said that they basically, the, the titles are the only thing they really took from the books, too. Yeah. Yes. The, the first a, a one, bit. The first one bit. is uh, the, the, the general kind of outline of the book, Okay. and the premise is what's in the first movie. The other two are completely not yeah. at all. Gotcha. Correct. Yeah. Okay. So a release date on the board identity of June 6, 2002. Okay. Um, I guess we'll dig into kind of everyone's uh, first thoughts or first, you know, memories of this movie. Um, Devin, you're the guest. Do you want to go first? Uh, sure. Um, yeah, 2002, I was up at uh, Grand Valley, Go Lakers, and um, saw it with college buddies. You know, we used to go to the, the movies every once in a while up in college. Remember seeing it vividly in the theater. Remember enjoying it from the very first time I saw it and have seen it many times since. All right. Uh, LPJ? I'm fairly certain I saw this in the theater. I think you might be able to corroborate. I don't know. That sounds right. I, I imagine. I know I, I saw it in the theater. I know we saw it in the theater. I think mostly we went and saw it because it was Doug Lyman directing it. That's true. And we were big Go fans. Yeah. Didn't Go. Even Which, me- you mentioned Go, not Swingers? Well, no, <laughs> well, because we were big Go fans. Go was the first DVD I ever bought. Yeah. Um, Go, yeah. Go is a, a great movie. And that was kind of going back into this and kind of doing the research and stuff. It's like, man, I haven't seen Go in a long time. It was and it was really great. It's a great movie. It, but it, what, the funny thing is, for a long time, I always thought Favreau directed Swingers. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Doug Lyman directing it until probably. I mean, it had to have been like four or five years ago. Okay. Wow. wow. Favreau, uh, he wrote it. But he, he wrote it. He yeah. wrote it, but he didn't direct it. Doug yeah. Lyman did. It was Doug Lyman's first movie. Go came after that. Right. Go was like 99. I right. Think. Yep. yep. 
Yeah, and then that was part of the reason why he got to make this movie. Right. Um, but yeah, so there, so I fairly certain I know we saw it in the theater. Yeah. And I think the the impetus of it was, oh, okay, it's Doug Lyman. Let's just go see Doug Lyman's next movie. Yeah. And I remember this is one that was pretty, you know, heavily marketed. I remember all the, yeah. the trailers and stuff, and uh, you know, just having a general interest. But yeah, I remember seeing it and you know, liking it immediately, kind of uh, latching onto it, and obviously I bought it on DVD and mm-hmm. own it, and it's one that I've seen a ton of times, and kind of, you know, we'll talk a little more about the entire series, but I think, you know, sure. I, it's one that I own pretty much all of them, so. It's a movie I missed in the theater. Um, I definitely remember knowing all, of, you know, knowing all about with um, trailers and all that kind of stuff. How old were you? I was a junior in high school. Oh, okay. So you would have been able to see it. So the next year I started working at Best Buy, and I think this was like four bucks and like a special bin with our discounts. I'm like, all right. (laughs) I'll buy it and watch it. Our discounts were hefty. (laughs) For some things, but definitely for like media it was. Um, And so, yeah, I bought it and I watched it. And I never watched it again until you made me watch it. Weird. Because I, I feel like this movie came out of nowhere with as big of a hit as it was. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Like yeah. I, I remember it being marketed, and I remember people you know kind of anticipating that it was coming out, but I don't think anybody really expected it to do as well or have as much of a cultural impact as it did. Right. I, I, I must be seeing things differently, because I don't remember an impact at all. I just remember this movie kind of coming and going, and if I remember right, The Born Supremacy, which is the next one was quite a few years after, wasn't it? Like four or five years no, after? I don't think it was, it was that only, long. It was only two. Yeah. Was it? They, yeah. 2004. They did them kind of back to back to back. It yeah. was... Yeah. No, this movie was this movie was pretty big. Yeah. I mean, and that I mean, kind of transitioning to that. I mean, this is a relatively low budget as sure. far as, you know, big action movies. It's $60 million for a budget. Uh, with a turnaround, a, a domestic gross of 121 million, but a worldwide gross of 214 million. So this this movie was uh, profitable to say the least. Sure, and and I would say this is the movie that kind of kicked off the whole. I mean, this kind of style of action films, like in like Take In and yep. John Wick, and uh-huh. those I mean, types of Equalizer. Yeah, and, and you could say that this movie is almost. I mean, maybe this is a stretch, but almost directly responsible for like the rebooting of the Bond franchise. Yes, because I agree. the Bond franchise movies become a lot like Jason Bourne movies. They do. No, you're absolutely right. And in fact, I believe the stunt coordinator for this is the one that did the stunt coordinating for Casino Royale. Yeah, and I mean, I mean, Casino Royale is a great film. We've talked about that before. But sure. a lot of like the stunts, the the action sequences and that, and the fight scenes are very. You, you get a, a vibe of these born movies in them, the way that they're shot and how visceral they are and stuff like that. Sure. Well, and this was kind of the. One of the first movies to do like real close quarter combat, like hand to hand. Like combat outside of stuff like you know shitty Steven Seagal films. <laughs> this is kind of the first big one to do that that sort of style. In yeah. fact, it even influenced a game like uh, Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. Believe it or not, developed an entire. Uh, sorry to get into video games, guys. Oh yeah, that's one of my favorites. <laughs> it developed, it, they developed an entire like fighting system based on what they saw in this movie. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Wrong podcast, LBJ. I'm sorry, guys. You can <laughs> leave oh, again. Oh, oh, you just woke me up, oh. <laughs> oh, Craig. Chops, go and go. We're not recording tonight. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm trying to trying to get myself back awake again. So, oh, oh, oh. Yeah, we're talking so about Doug Lyman. Identity. Well, how about we just start with a quick pop quiz? Pop quiz. Nope, too slow. Next. <laughs> it didn't even fucking say anything yet. Yeah, joke. Jesus. <laughs> Where does the name Born come from? Did any of you do the research? Uh, not on that. I did research, but not on this. I, I think I saw it. I honestly can't remember. I know I've got it in here somewhere. Some some preacher or something like that. Sort of, yeah. The in real life, the guy's last name was born from Pennsylvania in eighteen eighty seven. He is the first documented case of dissociation fugue, which is where you wake up and you don't know anything about yourself and you try to piece it all back together. So this dude woke up, started a new life, and then like 10 years down the road, woke up, remembered his old life, and didn't remember the one he was doing the last 10 years. <laughs> weird. So that he actually went weird. back to his old life. That's crazy. Isn't that crazy? That is real crazy. I didn't really know that was a thing. Yeah, I knew it was a thing, but... I didn't know it was like that intense of a thing. Yeah. 
but that's, that's interesting. Cool. Um, uh, Rotten Tomatoes on this, uh, guys, uh, 83%, which is pretty good. Yeah. Uh, audience score of 93%. That so. makes sense. Yeah. Yes. I can see that. Okay. Mm <laughs> we'll talk about it. Yeah. This is clearly one of those movies that missed you. <laughs> not that he's telegraphing it or anything. No, no, no. No. <laughs> no, it's only been 10 minutes, but you have no idea how I feel about this movie yet. <laughs> um, Before we get started into the other things, would we like to do our lightning round? All right. Let's do it. All right. I don't have as many, but we should do all right. All right. How many countries besides the United States did filming take place for this film? Seven. Seven. Three. So one source said seven, but the one I found that seemed more accurate was five because the seven was sites and two sites were done in the same country. So technically in terms of countries, the answer is five. You've got the Czech Republic. You got France. So it's turning into less of a you lightning round. Switzerland. <laughs> you got yeah. Italy and you got Greece. Great. And they use Greece and Italy twice. All right. Next question. Brian Cox. In two other films, he's been in it where the major character has amnesia. Do you know those other two movies? Uh, X2. X-Men. Yep. And... Oh, man. I saw that. I the Long know. Kiss Goodnight. The, correct. <laughs> All right. Got it. The guest takes the lead. Got it. Um, this film was released on the same day as what children's movie that was a hit animated TV show back in the day? Scooby-Doo. Right there. <laughs> He's taking you guys down. What is the body count of this movie? Eight. Fuck. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Uh, Franca Potente, I thinking is how you say her name, is what nationality? German. There you go. It's Franca. Franca. There we go. <laughs> get it right. I never do. <laughs> I'm only going to get one question right, so. What is the other three movie franchise Matt Damon has been a part of? Other three movie franchise he's been a part of? Yep. Oh, the Oceans movies. There you go. Oh. And Clive Owen is how old as of today? How is that a so stupid. Um, I don't know. Fifty-five. I have no idea. Forty-eight. He is exactly. Here, let me back. look at fifty-four. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, all right. Devin dominates his guest role on De- the lightning round. De- Devin That's is what I do best. Devin does the research, man. He's, he he's always prepared. He so. actually he actually releases a book after every episode. <laughs> he heard about my brother's notes for aliens, and he was like, <laughs> he was like, hold my beer, I got this. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't brought a spreadsheet. Yet. <laughs> Um, I blew you guys out of the water. I'm impressed. Yeah. You can come back out whenever you want. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. So uh, quickly, we already talked about the gross for this. Uh, as far as uh, top grossing films in 2002, uh, this movie, The Born Identity, finished the 21st highest grossing movie of 2002. Anyone want to take a stab at uh, anything in the top three? Star We're, Wars again. Uh, episode three, yep. or episode two, Attack of the Clones, is the third highest grossing film of 2002. I would say Lord of the Rings I'd throw in there, too. Yep. The, the Two Towers is number two. And then... Number one is a big one. The, 2002. It's the first movie I, in a franchise. Is it X-Men? It is not, but you're you're in the right vein. Oh, Spider-Man. There you uh, go. The original Spider-Man, the top grossing film of 2002. <clears throat> nice. <laughs> Man, 2002 is a decent year. Yeah, I mean... Well, I mean, based on those. Yeah, well, I mean, Attack, Attack of the, of the Clones. clones. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I mean, it, it made a lot of money, but I mean... <laughs> that is my least favorite Star Wars movie. Hand. Yeah, like I know a lot of people don't like fan. This isn't about Star Wars, but you know, <laughs> we'll we'll do a we'll do a Patreon <laughs> word debate because I think there's a strong case for Episode One or Two. You know, yeah. each one being the worst, but true that. Um, <laughs> so we talked about the director being uh, Doug Liman. Uh, yep. Obviously, Swingers and Go, which we talked about, is just great movie. If you haven't seen Go, check it out. Um, <laughs> I never have. So. Oh, you've never seen it? You should f- seek it out. I mean, yeah, I haven't really seen it in a long time, but it's 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 one of those ones where it's a lot of, like, different stories that all kind of converge, you know, like, okay. separate stories. It's, it's, it's very good. Like it's a got cr- a lot of, like, crash type of deal? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. Although I got a feeling, like, upon a rewatch, it's going to feel very much of the time. Yeah, it might. It, it's got a lot of, it's got some good actors in it, Timothy Oliphant's in it and stuff. Yeah. But um, oh. Your favorite, Katie Holmes? Katie Holmes, yeah. Um, also, other things he directed, I had like that Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie. Yeah, uh, which I just started watching. I didn't get a chance to finish it, but it was what I saw was really good. That's the one where the thing's happening over and over and over. He like keeps right. reliving the yeah. same yeah. day. 
Mr. and Mrs. Smith, what I, which I forgot that he directed, yeah. and um, Jumper. Yeah, the Jumper. <laughs> with Hayden Christensen. Yep. I also have that he, um, he read this book, The Born Identity, in high school, and so he always wanted to... Um, do a movie, I guess, for mm-hmm. it. Yeah, there was a thing that said that he was like, um, a, a, was it? I think it was after he made Swingers or after he made Go. Like, he wanted to make this movie so bad that he like flew out to uh, what's what's the Robert Lull- Robert Lullum. Yeah, flew yeah. out to his like home and somewhere in like Montana and basically like convinced him to give him the rights to the film so he could make it. Yeah, yeah, and then I guess he he got some inspiration from his dad for one of the characters. You guys catch on that story? I did. Yeah, his dad was a lead counsel during the Iran Contra affair, mm-hmm. um, and so he actually Chris Cooper's character is in large part based on Oliver North. Yep, which I find that kind of cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we have our producers, which is. Lyman, Patrick Crawley, I got Richard Glanstein, who is the VP of Merrimax. He's a pretty big deal. He's done all the Tarantino films. Um, screenplay is Tony Gilroy, who believe, I believe he did all the Bourne movies. Like yes. All four. Yeah, he wrote, yeah, and he directed the Bourne Legacy. Okay. Oh, he did? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, and that was the reason why uh, <laughs> Matt Damon didn't want to do it. It's because he would only do it if Paul Greengrass was directing it, which Paul Greengrass is the one that directs all of the other ones after this. And I guess uh, Lyman told him not to read the book. He, he didn't <laughs> want him to go off of that, which clearly is shown in this movie yeah. that he did not read the book. I saw that, that he said specifically don't read it. Yeah. But Gilroy <laughs> also has done Armageddon, Michael Clayton, where he's got some uh, Oscar nominations, and then recently Rogue One. Yeah, I, I was surprised. Yeah. I didn't know that. I, 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 I saw that. I was surprised, too. I was like, really? Yeah. He wrote Rogue One? Interesting. Yep, yep. And I have for music, uh, at least in terms of score, it's John Powell, which mm-hmm. John Powell is a massive name um, yeah. up there with all the big wigs. He works um, with Hans Zimmer's music studio, mm-hmm. um, but he's done, you know, I'm just a couple of action movies here. Face Off, Italian Job, Paycheck, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, X-Men, Solo, Hancock. There's, he's, I think I saw that he's got over like 70 movies he's yeah, been doing soundtracks for. Yeah, he's done a ton of stuff, yeah. But... Um, we are going to play the ending, uh, credit. Does it play during the ending credits? I can't remember. Yeah. Or is it just it's at the, the end? It's like, it's right at the end of the like movie. It's like right at the end of the okay. movie. Like it's always the stinger at the end of every movie. Yeah. There's always like Jason Bourne says something and then the music starts to play and then somebody reacts to whatever Jason Bourne says and then the movie ends. Yeah. So we've got Moby that is doing extreme ways. So here's a little taste. This is a bizarre ass music video. Yeah, the music video is weird, but, <laughs> yeah. but for, I, I don't ever, I don't think about the music video when I hear this song. I only think about Jason Moore when I hear this. Song. Yeah, I do think about that that like sound effect that like uh-huh. at the end of all the movies. Oh, yeah. like yeah, and it's at the end it's of well known all of them. Yeah, like every single one of them. Uh, maybe not Legacy, but all the other the other four. Yeah, and I, I know. I mean, we don't have to get into the sequels that much. I will say, I mean, I've seen the Supremacy Ultimatum. I've seen the Legacy. I've never seen the last one they made. I think it's just called Jason Bourne. <laughs> Jason Bourne. Yeah. After watching this, I ended up watching all three of the other movies, with the exception of Legacy. So I was, <laughs> I just went on a a Bourne kick and I've, watched all of them. Back to back to back. I remember Devin telling me that the last the Jason Bourne one wasn't worth watching. It's not great. It, yeah, it's okay. It just feels it's like Jeremy such a, Runner, right? It, no, 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 that's no, the legacy. That's the one right. Oh, that's the legacy. legacy. Yeah. Yeah. So there's actually five Bourne movies. Then. Yes, there's yes. five. There's five oh, because there was four because they made the original three and then they made the legacy, which had Jeremy Renner. Like they were gonna like, oh, we're gonna keep making these with him, but then Matt Damon came back to make. Oh, the, Damon came back. He came yep. back. For yeah, because Paul Greengrass. They brought Paul Greengrass back, and that's why, why uh, um, 
Matt Damon. Matt, Matt Damon. <laughs> Matt <to do> Damon. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. The, the, the Jason Bourne isn't. It just feels like such a weird. It's got a different feel to it. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I've seen it the one time, and that was it. I don't yeah. think I'll ever watch it again. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. I just, I just, I just remember hearing that it's kind of light on action and yeah. more. It like, is real light yeah. on action. What's interesting about the third one, though, uh, which I didn't realize until just watching it now, the third one is essentially like half of the movie is a is a prequel or like events that are happening at the same time as the second movie, just from a different point of view, and the end of the third movie picks up like oh, halfway through the second movie. It's very, it's hard to explain. Huh. Yeah, I haven't watched the second and third one recently. I, yeah, so. I haven't seen them in a while, but I remember thinking Ultimatum was really, really good. Ultimatum was great. Yeah. I've only seen the first two. Yeah, no. Uh, and see, the second one Ultimatum. is not terrible, but it's not great. Yeah. The, the I, third one's really the best one. It I is. I would agree with I that. I don't know if the third mm. one's the best one. I, I don't know. I think it might be. Mm. I mean, this mm. one's just good because it's the original. This really good, you yeah. Know? Yeah. Um, sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so let's uh, I guess talk about the cast a little bit. Yep. Um, Matt Damon, obviously uh, playing Jason Bourne. Matt Damon. Um, I guess the other people I've listened, I don't really have the character names, but uh, Chris Cooper, Conklin. He's Conklin, Conklin, which his name doesn't ever get said in the entire movie. N- neither him nor Brian Cox's character, Correct. Yep. Abbott. Mm-hmm. Right, which is funny because I saw that it said that they like shot all their stuff for this movie in like five days. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> um, so, uh, and high, highly billed, but not into that much. Uh, Clive Owen. Yeah, that's weird. Like he's, he's only a- in like three minutes. Yeah. yeah. And 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 okay. So here's I'm I'm doing it. This is my first beef. It, he's supposed to be like the villain. No. Kinda. The CIA is supposed to be the villain. I was hoping for this huge, awesome, great like fight between Clive Owen and and Jason and uh, Matt Damon, and it was so underwhelming. Well, I mean, it's a good scene. It's a good scene. That scene in the uh, field is, is yeah. pretty good. I, I think that scene's more about him, like, outsmarting him. I mean, know, like, he's, he's cool him. how he finds his way yeah. to him, but and then the he just kind of caps him and he's done. Well, yeah, but the point of the scene was to establish the fact that, you know, Clive Owen is in the same position that Bourne is. He just hasn't that. gone rogue. I get that, but they both are, like, trained, gen- engineered, whatever. They should... Get some fisticuffs here. Let's see him fight it well, out. Well, I think you get that with the, yeah, scene, in the, in the scene in the apartment when he fights the the first Treadstone guy. He fights it. That's which more, is great. That's that more. Really great. That's yeah, more yeah, the visceral hand to hand fight, sure. and, and this one's more. This kind is more of like, like a strategic kind yeah, of. Yeah, like outmaneuvering him. Yeah, you can make that face all you want, but you're wrong. Yeah, I don't know about that. Um, and also uh, Julia Stiles, who is in, I think she's in all the movies except maybe the Legacy. She's not she's in the first three. She's in the first three. She's in the first three. Because she dies in the third one. Yeah. No, the fourth one. Spoiler alert. Wow. Oh, yeah, she dies I haven't porn. seen the other ones, but <laughs> oh, thanks. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Based on your, because based on your opinion, you're clearly going to go watch it. No, yeah, she's I'll, in the fourth yeah, one, she's but Matt Bourne, Damon's but not. Yeah. Yeah. No, and she's in Jason Bourne. Yes. Yes. I think she dies in that one. She does. She's got such a real weird role in this movie. I don't know. I don't... I, I know what she's supposed to be doing, but it just doesn't make sense. I don't know. Sure it does. No, it doesn't. She's the, she's the person I that get, deploys all these people. Yeah, yes. she's almost just like an analyst kind yeah, of person. Yeah, she's just like, here's like your orders. Like a liaison, logistics type. Yeah, that's all. She just coordinates like all the... Yeah. I know, but it's just kind of boring. Well, sure, she she's not... That's what her job is. And she's but, boring. Well, that's the thing, is that you could have just had like an extra do her job. That was kind of my... Like, you could have had like a... a because Julia Stiles at this point is a bigger name. Not at that point. Yeah, she was. She not had really. some of those teen movies she was doing. Not that I... Like, Save the Last Dance bullshit or something, right? Who would you have cast in it then? I would have just casted some nobody, because she really just has a kind of minor role, in my opinion. So? Do you think they wasted her? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think she goes on to have more of a role. She yeah. plays a bigger well, she role. Plays a bigger and role I know that she does, continue. but I just, I don't know. I felt like there were holes there. That's that's all. All right. I'm sorry. I'll, I'll move on. And big then, ju- big <laughs> Julia Stiles fan. Apparently. And then, uh, <laughs> she's not getting her credit, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the last one is, uh, and I'll butcher this name too, but uh, Franca Potenti. That's good. Yeah. Um, uh, famous for uh, what was that movie she was Run, in? Run Lola Run. Run Lola Run, which I haven't seen. Which you named your daughter after. <laughs> yeah, which is amazing. exactly. That's that's the reason. <laughs> the other thing that she was in that I had no idea of, and and our friend Dave will appreciate this because he's a huge Johnny Depp fan, is the movie Blow. 
Oh, with shoot. Johnny Depp. She plays like his love interest yeah, or whatever. I did not know that. Yeah. I've seen Blow. I think I own it because that was back when I bought every movie that I ever saw. Well, that's okay. LPJ has some Blow because <laughs> we know he does it before he does his intros. <laughs> well, only when I write them. Um, so we, t- we talked about the actors. Want to dig into some net worth quickly? Yes, I yes. do. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe. Perhaps. There it is. There we go. Not so easy, is it? <laughs> Shut your mouth. Okay, so let's go back through the way that we we, we went through the cast. So Franca Potente, what do you think for her? Two bucks. I'd say the two million dollars. Okay. Ten, ten million. Uh, actually, eighteen million dollars, guys. Oh, oh she, she's big in Germany. Selling her short. Um, then we have all the euros strong is more valued than the dollar. Then we have Sphinx's favorite, Julia Stiles. Five million. Fifteen. I'm gonna say ten. Twelve million dollars for Julia Stiles. Uh, Clive Owen. Ah, <sighs> twenty. Okay, fifteen. I'll say thirty. Thirty million oh. on Got the it. button. There on you the go. Nose. Uh, Brian Cox. Ten. Fifteen. Five. Eight million. Okay. Uh, Chris Cooper. Oh, I'll say ten. I'll say fifteen. Twelve. I'll go right in a minute. Ten million. LPJ. Yeah. And then finally, Matt Damon. Matt Damon. He's probably. I, I think he's say, big. I'm gonna say like 150. Okay. I'm gonna say 225. I'll say 175. 160. Ooh. So you guys are all dancing around it. So definitely um, the uh, richest of all the cast members, which makes sense, I guess, given his breadth of movies. I thought I was going to Julia Stiles. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> she was up there. I wouldn't have guessed. I wouldn't have thought that yeah, hers was as high as it was. So no, isn't she doing some TV shows right now or some shit? I don't know. Yeah, you're a super fan. Yeah. Tell us. <laughs> yeah. Quit pretending like you don't know. <laughs> yeah. You know. Um, I've got one other little tidbit here before we maybe start to get into the plot a little bit. Um, and I, I probably should mention this when we were talking about the director. Filming did not go particularly well yeah. in this movie. I was going to say, a lot of the stuff that I saw made it seem like he was kind of at odds with the studio for most of it. Yeah, and, and him and Matt Damon kept trying to like support each other to try and convince the studio what was going on. And they, kind of like me, weren't big fans of the pacing of the film. And they forced them to do so, all sorts of tons of reshoots and rewrites um, to try and get things happening. Uh, the ending fell really flat with um, a test audience, and so they had to redo that whole thing as well. And then it put the movie $8 million over its budget, too. So a lot of, I mean, I, all movies have issues, but you know these ones seem to be a little bit more out there for people to see, so... Yeah, it did. See, it did seem. I mean, I, I guess, and you know, not really knowing some of the behind the scenes stuff until we kind of dig into these moves. It did. I did. I didn't realize. I guess that there was a lot of like they weren't really on board with Doug Lyman's vision for the movie. It seemed like for the most part, and they right. kind of there was a lot of back and forth, and not you know, it wasn't like they weren't very supportive. It sounded like from what most of the stuff that I saw. Yeah, and they delayed the release. I think a couple of yeah. times. Yeah. Because they went back in and like added that whole car chase, right? Like, wasn't that yeah. one of the yeah. things? Yeah, there that wasn't, wasn't enough action like at the end. They said so. They like added that whole car scene, yeah. car chase scene. Which is then, a good, like, I, I mean, I'm sorry. I still feel like the action at the end was still kind of weak, right? I mean, do you think it was a good climax? I mean, it was cool that like Cooper got shot. Yeah, but there's still like even like the fight with the three fu- uh the three thugs, the three thugs in the apartment. I think it was like that was it was cool, but it was kind of short and. I mean, he rides a dead body down the he, he stairs, and that's pretty cool. He did. I think, I mean, and, and, and you know, I mean, movies are movies. Everyone takes them in the same way. I think maybe, I mean, a lot of this, I think, is just meant to be more, uh, there's obviously the action component, but I think there's a lot of, like, cerebral, kind of more, like, chess chess pieces, you know, moving and stuff like that with yeah. all the CIA behind the scenes and stuff like that. So, I mean. I, I think it's less of an action film and more of, like, a spy thriller. Yeah, like a thriller. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that's the kind of the lens you have to look at this as. It's not a pure action film. Do you feel thrilled? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah, I enjoy- the, the car chases were great. The car chases were pretty you know, good. And, and all the, there was a lot of tension in like that field scene, despite the fact that you didn't like it, there was a lot of tension there. I, you didn't know what was going to happen. Yeah, I, and, and yeah, I mean, it's like maybe you wanted more of a fight between Clive Owen and him, but I, I like like the, the chess match that yeah. like he's going to kind of outmaneuver him and trick him into giving up his position and like all the stuff he does. Like I, I, I enjoy that. I like seeing because the, that's what they would do. I like them. They're kind of showing you, I think, I feel like how well trained like Bourne is that he can. He's not just a guy that can go and beat you up. He's, he's 
he's able to kind of assess all the situations. One of the things I really like in the movie is when they're at that diner and he, it's still when he has no idea what's going on. And he's kind of telling her, he's like, he's like, I don't know. He's like, but he's listing all the things he knows. He's like, oh, I know that guy at the counter's like 260 and can handle himself. I know. Uh, the, the best the, place mm-hmm. to find a shotgun is in the truck outside. Yeah, yeah he knows all the license it, plate numbers. And he's yeah. like, he's like, I know at this like altitude, I can run like full for, out for half a mile before my hands start to shake. And it's just, I know, it's just kind of cool. I think they're trying to show you that there's so many like, levels to what his training did and all the things he can do and there's and they're making it seem like he's by far the best spy of all of the the assets they call and that's what they go on to kind of explain in the rest of the films is he was the first yeah and he ended up being the best like their whatever training they did for him was he took to it better than anybody else which i guess i'll i'll ask this question too so he is technically like an Experiment, right? Like, I guess I don't know how the other movies explain sure. it. Like, is he like genetically modified no. type of deal, or is he just like they did experimental? Was... They did experimental behavioral training. Okay. Um, which it basically because he acts like superheroish, like Captain America style. Like, yeah. Well, what I he mean, knows. obviously all the physical training, but yeah. it's more like mental. It's conditioning. more mental conditioning. Yeah. Like more. he doesn't, he doesn't experience pain the way other people do. Like he can push through a lot of things that people can't. That's and, why it's uh, that's why it's so surprising the you know the way it plays out when he sees the kids and, sure. and we'll get into the plot and all that stuff but I mean that's that's a scene that I think kind of goes against the training that he was put through. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so let's kind of roll through this plot uh, as best we can and, and try and prod me along because you know me I take the, I take the long winded approach. Um, we're introduced at the beginning of the movie a born floating in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. Uh, he's fished out of the water by this. Fishing boat, uh, fishing boat, yep. <laughs> um, kind of. He has bullets wounds in his back. Um, he wake. They they take the bullets out and kind of heal him a little. But he wakes up, has no idea who he is, where he is, doesn't know anything that's going on. Um, they find what is a. It's kind of. Um, how would you describe it? It's like, it's like, a, laser it's like po- a laser pointer. Yeah, it's, it's almost like a laser pointer. Like a capsule. Yeah, and it's like embedded in his thigh, and they pull it out, and it has like a. Uh, um, Bank account. Bank account on it, yeah. Yep. Um, so he's on this boat. I, I don't know how long would you say he's on this boat for? Oh, they tell us it's, yeah, it's like two weeks. Yeah, it's like two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. Okay. So they, they drop him off on shore. He's going to go to Switzerland, which is where this bank is, where it has the... St. Paul's box? <laughs> the, the, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Sorry. Yeah. I'm having yeah. a brain fart here. Swiss account. You're getting there. <laughs> yeah, he's got a safe deposit box at this particular bank um, under... He doesn't even have a name at that point. Right. Like, he doesn't know what his name is. All he has is this account number. And so he goes into the bank just with the account number, assuming that they'll be able to get in. And, uh, and of course, he does. And he's surprised to find that his handprint is already entered in their system. Um, and they, they don't necessarily recognize him, but they don't sense anything wrong with him being there. Right, and I think that's kind of the first tip-off to know that something else is clearly going on here. And we're, yeah. we're and we're kind of like in this opening phase. We're introduced to kind of the other elements of the film. One is like what's happening in the CIA. Like basically, you don't you, they kind of dole out that information, but all we know is that they were uh, there was some mission that was failed. Uh, the target wasn't eliminated. We're also introduced to uh, Wambazi. Who is uh, he's I guess like a like a dictator, a deposed dictator, I think. Yes. Um, yeah. Who's who's going to like basically release a book and, and kind of air out all the CIA's dirty laundry in Africa, and they kind of want to take him out, obviously, so this doesn't happen. Yeah, and we eventually find out that Bourne is was supposed to kill him right. before those secrets got revealed. Right, and that was like kind of his mission. So that's why the, the mission that was failed, this Treadstone mission, was that he was supposed to be taking mm-hmm. out Wambazi. Um, as you mentioned in the bank, he gets his uh, safe, deposit box, safe deposit box out. <laughs> Man, you really are struggling with that. <laughs> I am sorry. Um, it, and he opens it up, and in it, like I, it, the first layer is just like money, right? Like uh, it's kind of, or it's kind of normal, right? But there's another yeah, layer. Yeah, like underneath. passports and Bunch stuff. of money yeah. and a gun, if I remember Under, right. Yeah. No, underneath. Yeah, yeah. Under, underneath, underneath, there's a gun and like all these different passports for different countries, and they all have different, different currencies na- and stuff. Yeah, like all, too. all have different names. And kind of, I feel like at this point, um, one of the guys at the bank like tips off the CIA, like, "Hey, your guy was here." So that's when he starts kind of like from that point on, he's kind of hunted throughout the whole movie. You know, yep. he goes to the um, the American embassy there. And that's kind of a great scene when he gets found out there yeah. <laughs> and he's uh, he's beating up all the Marines and all the guys in there. And it's like that's where you first get the clue of kind of like his training. He like 
takes the radio from the first guy, so he's like listening in, and he pulls Rips up, the map. Off yeah, the he gets wall. the map off the wall, so yep. he can kind of. Uh, and it's just like you can see him almost just acting on instinct. Like, yeah, it's not even he's not even consciously doing these things. Yeah, yeah, I wrote it in my notes. Like he just lays them out like immediately. Yeah. Oh like, yeah. Boom, he he punches that one guy right in the balls too. He's like going <laughs> to the stairs and he just goes boom, uh-huh. punches him right in the ball and, and takes his radio. Um, he has a, there's that there's that scene where he goes out the door uh, and it's kind of he's at the roof and he climbs down the building. Yep. Yeah, that first of all, that's one of the things. Things that first bothered me. It's like there's that rickety ass like <laughs> ladder thing. It's like why is it falling off the wall? What was the point of that? I realized that it almost seemed like they had like caution tape or like something was up. They didn't yeah. want people going out that door. But why was it like that? <laughs> why did they leave it? And Matt Damon trained hardcore for this movie, and most almost all of his stunts he did himself, including climbing that thing. Yeah, that's that's pretty. That's pretty cool. Which that is pretty cool. Yeah, because it's a, it's pretty high up, and yeah. it's like it's pretty it's like amazing. Thirty feet. Yeah, it's pretty amazing when he climbs down it. So mm-hmm. to think that he actually did that is pretty pretty impressive. Yeah. Um. Uh, so this is where we're introduced to Marie, uh, who's Franca Franca Potente. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, Bourne, who has all this money, offers her basically twenty thousand dollars to drive him to Paris because that's where his like last known address was. Right. Yeah. He was able to piece together based on the information in the safe deposit box that this particular this Jason Bourne who he appears to be has a actually no it wasn't Jason Bourne it was, it was John, John Michael John Michael Caine yeah. John Michael Caine which is another alias of his has a has an apartment uh, and, and also we're still following the CIA and kind of all their efforts to track down Jason Bourne one thing I have my notes and it's funny because this movie doesn't seem that old to me but those computers that they the CIA so they yeah. look so <laughs> old like I was like is that really the computers yeah. we were using in 2002 that is yeah with those giant monitors yeah. that yeah. I was just like oh my gosh they're so old looking and all yeah. the phones and everything like like that's uh, you just notice like the technology how it's crazy it's like mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like 2002 is that long ago but then you watch something like this and you're like oh shit yeah <laughs> um so he's he's uh, having all these headaches they're driving him to Paris he can't remember anything basically that happened before two weeks ago which is when he was found on the boat um they activate all the other Treadstone agents mm-hmm. to we should probably back up and explain the yes. whole what Treadstone is okay yeah. so Treadstone is a black ops group that basically executes people uh, in various countries to benefit the United States for whatever reason that they deem fit. Uh, they're completely off the books, um, and it's completely black ops. Like They have almost no oversight, and Chris Cooper's character is sort of just calling all the shots with, with Abbott, the other guy, Brian Cox's character. Um, and so Jason Bourne is an assassin, essentially. He's a highly trained assassin, uh, that was sent in to kill Wambosi, uh, but the mission failed. Uh, it turns out the mission failed because as he went to go kill Wambosi on his boat, it turns out all of Wambosi's kids were in the room too, and he didn't. And Jason Bourne didn't account for that, so he froze. couldn't go. He froze. He couldn't go through with it. So he turned around to run, and Wambosi shot him in the back, and then he ended up going overboard. Which, and that's kind of what takes us to the beginning of the movie. Which so getting shot in the back causes amnesia. Well, I think it was Twice. a combination of like <laughs> taking tra- on water, taking I mean, water, the training could yeah. have been anything. I don't know. Okay, yeah, because I feel like maybe that's the one element that's not necessarily explained. Well, they they Wait, explain that's the one element. They well, okay. explain later on. <laughs> they explain later on that these guys they they say these guys are wound so tight that it's it's no wonder that one of them broke. Right. Okay. I guess that's fair. They do cover that. Um, so they get to his apartment in Paris. Um, that's when they, they first like encounter the, the first of these other Treadstone agents. Right. Which is kind of an awesome like hand-to-hand combat it is. scene. It's awesome. real good. He yes. has with this guy. Because the guy just like swings in out of nowhere like in, yep. through the window. I like how the pen gets shoved in his eye. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's that's he pulls part. it out. Yeah, yeah, when he's just stabbing him over and over. It's uh-huh. so great. Yeah. yeah. Be- and that's the other big thing with Bourne. He basically, he's trained to just grab whatever's around him and use it as a weapon. Yeah. Because yeah. he takes just like a pen off the desk and jams it like into the guy's like hand, like yeah. through it. So it's like sticking out. It looks like one of Wolverine's claws or something. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And he pulls it out and it's, uh, he breaks the guy's legs, I think, too. Yeah, he starts he, breaking bones yeah. for sure. It, it's pretty great. It's a real, it's a real visceral like hand to hand fight scene. Um, and it's really the first time you see that in film, like something, something of that level. Yeah, like you don't really. I don't really. Before this, I don't remember any kind of like real close combat fighting before. Yeah, it's a re- it's a really cool kind of like style right, that things. they do. I, I mean, you'd have I'd have to give it some thought, but I feel like there's there's got to be some stuff outside of a Jackie that. Chan film. 
I don't know, like off the top of my head, because I'm a James Bond lover from Russia with Love when they're fighting on the train. No, it's not the same. I mean, it's that's similar, similar. but it's not. No, it's still '60s style fighting. It is, but I don't know. I really I, like I have to give it some thought. I really I, it like, is an awesome scene though. I, it's probably my favorite part of the movie, to be quite honest. I, 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 I love the part in the scene where the guy's like, it's hard to describe, but he's like on the ground and he kind of just like sits up like super yeah. fast, like I, I or stands up. Like I'm describing it poorly, but you know what I'm talking yeah, about. He it's just like, like, pops up. Yeah, yeah, he's just like vroom, pops up. Um, before the fight happens, he he like redials like the kind of the number on his phone. And he finds out his last call was to this hotel. Uh, in Paris, uh, in that he's like, oh, is there anyone there? Like, John Michael Caine finds out that he stayed at this hotel. So he's kind of trying to piece together what was happening that led him to kind of where we found him at the beginning of the movie. But that part at the end of the fight, when when he's kind of laying on the ground all beat up, and they're looking through his bag, and they find all the pictures, you know, inside the, you know, inside the U.S. consulate or whatever it was, and he just jumps out the window. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so surprising and almost kind of funny, but creepy at the same time. It's oh, like, totally. why the hell did that guy just do that? Yeah. So, so I have a question. So at, at this point, um, you know, the guy jumps out of the window and essentially kills himself. So he doesn't spill the beans or gets tortured to find out what this is all about. And, you know, Bourne just keeps telling Marie, Marie, Maria, whatever. It's Marie, Mar- right? Marie, 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 that like, I don't know who I am. I don't know what's going on, you know? And I'm just trying to think to myself, like, if I was Marie, would you be buying this at this point? Like, you're kind of watching this guy going crazy, being able to do all this. Well, and I, you're I don't still think she does. following along, which I, I don't think like, she does buy it. I think she isn't quite sure yet. Yeah, I mean, he just gave her 20 grand, so she's probably feeling a little loyal. Plus, I think at this point, she's kind of starting to dig him. I think she likes him. I think you're right. right. I think at a certain point, too, it's like she's kind of, when she finds out that they're looking for her, too, she's kind of like, well, he's my best bet to survive. Like, they're going to get me. So if I stick with him, maybe I have a chance because she sees kind of how he can handle himself. Yeah, I guess, I mean, she conveys a little bit. I guess I, I wanted to see a little bit more fear out of her. Like, if you were watching this guy do all of this and he keeps saying he doesn't know who he is, I'd be like shit like this guy is going to be something intense and well actually i read was reading in that in that particular scene at the end mm-hmm. where he jumps out the window in the script she was supposed to scream and be frightened she decided to play it as if she was just like in shock like she didn't know Ooh. what was going on so she was in a, it was in, it was a it was a, it was a creative difference creative, yeah <laughs> yeah which I would have a liked. Choice that I would made. have liked it the other way, but okay, I see. She, she does freak out a couple of times in the movie, though. Oh, totally. <laughs> um, next is that car chase that we kind of touched on. It's a it's a great one. I heard that they said that they hired the same kind of stunt team that did all the chase scenes in that movie Ronin. They kind of yep. do yeah. this. Uh, yeah, yep. I saw that. Which is it's a great scene. He drives downstairs, drives toward on, oncoming traffic. Uh, there's a lot of cool stuff. In I it. do like at the end when he just like casually like rolls into the parking garage yeah. and just she's just like staring at him like. <laughs> What the fuck? Like, yeah. how did you do this? Because it's just like another thing. Like, they just get in the car and immediately he's like driving it. Oh, yeah. It's he's just like Mario Andretti all of a sudden. <laughs> and I guess that actually won an award. I had no idea there was a World Stunt Awards. I don't know if you guys knew that. <laughs> I wasn't aware. But that what? that one for best work with a vehicle in two thousand two. Wow. wow. Yeah. It, it, he when he is kind of going around those corners, it's pretty sweet. Yeah. Oh yeah. And I guess that was you know was actually filmed in Paris and all that. And fuck, I don't know how stunt corners can do that in those cities in Europe. Yeah. With how small everything is and whatnot. It's, it's pretty amazing that they are able to pull some of that stuff off with cars. Like, car chases to me are always an impressive thing because that's something yeah. that's not, like, faked or anything like that. They actually get out there and people drive and do that stuff. And it's like, I mean, it's not safe. <laughs> nope. Well, it was interesting when, because yeah, I worked downtown in downtown Detroit, when they were filming the uh, Batman, um, Batman vs. Superman down there, one of the car chases they did, they had actually the cars that Bruce Wayne was driving around were stationary and he was just driving around stationary cars. But in the movie, it looks like they're traveling at high speed. So it's a little movie magic. It's a little movie magic. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Which makes sense, I guess. Was uh, it movie magic back then though? 2002, maybe not. That may not have been, especially that particular crew. That crew is the same crew that d- works with Jean Renault on all of his stuff. Hmm. So they did all the transporter movies. They did obviously Ronin, um, and anything that he does. Um, yeah. So they're very familiar with the area and how to kind of drive in that sort of environment. Mm. So um, Clive Owen ends up killing Wombosey at like his house. Um, Conklin tells Brian Cox, hey, Bourne's gone rogue. He's the one that killed Wombosey, kind of pinning all that on him, on this like rogue agent right now. 
and they're still trying to solve the mystery. There's that great scene that I love where he gives like uh, Marie that really complicated plan about how to go into the hotel uh-huh. and get like his bill or his, his phone records or whatever. And it's like, oh, you got to do this and like call me and do this. And like she like just comes out and she has it. She's like, oh, yeah, the guy looked friendly. So I just went and talked to him and told him I was like John Michael Caine's assistant. And so they gave it to me, which I think is a kind of a fun bit of comedy. It is in a fun there. bit of comedy. Um, so this is where there's kind of a whole thing where we learn he kind of pieces together all the stuff they go to like this boat security thing where he found out all about the security for Juan Bozzi's boat and all these different things where he's kind of piecing together this mission this big plan that he put together for that assassination attempt that we kind of talked about already right and this is also when I think we're introduced to Nikki Parsons who's Julia Stiles that's when they kind of you know have her start helping out right for some reason I remember her showing up earlier in the film but obviously it doesn't. But yeah. I, I remember her being in the film a lot more. Well, I, and, right? I, and that's kind of what I was leading to when I was talking about her earlier. Is I just feel like the role was missing. And I wonder with all the recuts and reshooting, if yeah, a lot of her, be. a lot could of be. her part was and, cut. And could I be. and I will say this: um, I do think when I'm watching this one, I do kind of get like all the the main three ones kind of bleed together in my head a little bit. So sometimes maybe I'm thinking of like her scenes in the other ones. Yeah. So I think some of that stuff kind of like I can't quite separate the three of them in my mind, you know, sometimes. So I think some of that stuff bleeds together. She she does kind of become more of like a field agent, right? Like she starts carrying a gun and doing stuff more I remember. No, she doesn't. She she gets dragged back into it. In the second movie, she's totally out of the equation altogether. And she gets dragged back in when um when he resurfaces, when Bourne resurfaces, because she's the only remaining member of Treadstone that they still have active contact with. I guess I literally remember nothing about the <laughs> sequel then. Nope. Okay. Um, the 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 police the CIA have still been hunting them this whole time. They find out where they're staying in Paris. That's when they go to it's one of Marie's old boyfriends. It's like a farm out in the middle of nowhere. Um, some of that stuff is kind of cool. I like the CIA team kind of working on. You see their kind of process to like. Who has she been in contact with? And they're doing all this stuff to figure out like the most likely sites that she would go to. And I think some of that stuff's kind of cool. Yeah, I agree. Also, I'd like that uh, Walton Goggins is. Yeah, yeah I knew you were going to bring say. that up. <laughs> yep. Boyd Crowder himself. Yep. I liked I liked his role in it. And they pretty much the CIA figures it out because she calls the the house to see if he's home. Right. And he doesn't answer, so she thinks it's a safe place to be. And and they go and he actually ends up being there with his kids and it's kind of a weird thing but that's where that's where Clive Owen I think they say his character's name is like the professor the professor, yeah. professor that's where he shows up and they have that prolonged scene cuz he's got the sniper rifle and he's kind of they they find out he's there cuz like that's a cool scene too where they're trying to find the dog and they're like oh whatever and then born born he like immediately knows what's going on he's like get everyone in the basement like just from the dog not being there but they have that cool scene where he's out in the uh, the fields and he's taking pot shots and he immediately goes out and blows up the um, the propane tank. Yeah, and kind of hunts him out in the field, tricks him into giving his position, and that's um. After he shoots him, they have a little conversation. They talk about the headaches. I can't remember also kind of what they discuss. Oh, he says, um, "This is what they make you give." That's what. That's what. It says, "Look at what they make you give." That's right. That's, that's what, what Clive Owen says to him, and he actually uses that line later on in one of the other movies. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like I said, they all kind of bleed together for me, so. Um, he sends, after he defeats Clive Owen, uh, he, he decides he's going to put an end to it. Uh, he sends Marie off with the boyfriend, uh, and he kind of, uh, talks to Chris Cooper, uh, forces them to set up a meeting in, is it Paris again? Yeah, it's Paris, the safe house in Paris. The safe house. Well, he tells them to meet him on that bridge, you know, he's right. like, come alone, but that was kind of all a ruse because he just wanted to be able to track him back to the safe house. Right. Yeah. Which they made it so obvious that he didn't have... That he wasn't coming alone. Yeah. I mean, that was, this. right? Like, it's like, you know he's going to be watching your every moment, but they, like, drop him off right in front of the bridge, and you can see he's, like, and there's all these guys around the bridge, like, altering, <laughs> like, their but I, their mics. But I think that was the thing, is that Bourne knew he wasn't going to be there alone. He knew he wasn't going to be alone And he, like, anyway. he really just wanted him to come so he could track them back to the base. Because they he tracks them back to the the safe house where the whatever that is that Julius Styles right runs. he follows the van right if I remember yeah right. he yes. he bugs the van or something that's and, right yeah uh, he tells them um, uh, so they go <laughs> sorry <laughs> having a brain fart here <laughs> we, we call that a senior he moment. just had a stroke <laughs> yeah sorry guys it's the Swiss savings <laughs> bank account what's it? Uh, I was just reminded. <laughs> <laughs> 
I was just reminding you of your earlier screw up. Somebody help me out here. Um, so they have the he has this showdown with Chris Cooper in the safe house with Julia Stiles. They're trying to like wipe the safe house clean of all the information. Right. Bourne shows up and basically wants them like, hey, you back off, leave me alone. I don't want a part of this anymore. And Chris Cooper is kind of like, we're not going to let you out. You know, you're like a thirty million dollar investment and all this stuff. And they have a scene. Uh, he fights some guards. Uh, Rides that dead body to the bottom of the stairs. Which was awesome. Yeah. Yes. Which Chris Cooper really escalated that situation. He should have been a little bit more calm knowing that this guy could literally kill him in two seconds. I think what he was trying to do is appeal to like his military training and his uh, you know, sense of loyalty to hierarchy. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he was trying to do. It didn't work. No, obviously not. <laughs> and, and kind of like the thing at the end of the movie is all this time we're showing the last of the Treadstone agents that they activated. And he's kind of on the street and they're cutting between Chris Cooper and Bourne. And you think that he's there to kind of take out Bourne. But it turns out he's there to take out Chris Cooper, shoots him a couple times in the street and leaves him there. He's dead. Uh, they cut to Brian Cox. It turns out Brian Cox ordered him to be killed. Uh, and just kind of writes off Treadstone like in some kind of committee meeting. It's like, yeah, yeah, like, just, yeah it's a phase. this is just a training exercise. It's that, done. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and that's when he introduces uh, Blackbriar, right? Yeah, yes. he does. Yeah. Yep. Is he like, introduces Blackbriar right after that. Which is from the second movie, right? Yep. Yeah, Blackbriar is like the is the is basically the same program, just a new name. So they must have had an idea that they were going to make a sequel, maybe. Or do you think that was just something, and then when they made the sequel, they're like, well, let's pick up on that. I think they had a pretty good idea that they were going to try and do a franchise, a franchise with it. Yeah. Well, they obviously had other books to go off of. So. Right. Yeah. Funny thing, I actually read that um, Lyman and Matt Damon were were originally thinking about killing Jason Bourne at the end of the first movie, oh, and really? they decided not to do it. That's interesting. Hmm. That would have been interesting. <laughs> they would have made the sequels a little bit tougher. Yeah. I imagine, yeah. yeah. <laughs> not that they had anything to do with the books, but... Um, in, in the very end of the movie, he tracks down Marie. Uh, I don't know where she is exactly. She's running... she's in Greece. Yeah. yeah and she's yeah. running... She's Mykonos, like, which I'm, I'm going there. <laughs> oh, very nice. Excited. She's running like... Uh, she's renting <laughs> motorbikes to people, and he shows up, and that's kind of like the happy ending. They're going to have a life together. Yep. And then the music kicks in that Sphinx yeah. is... Yeah. Moby. <laughs> yeah. Good old classic late 90s, early 2000s style Moby. And that's, and that's the end. That's the yeah. end. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's yeah, it, it's really just kind of ends on a happy, it's really the only movie that ends on kind of a happy note. Like the other movies do not. No. Yeah. They're all kind of downers. Well, the, the second one I remember being way more of like a direct cliffhanger that like yeah. there was going to be a third one. I think this one's a little ambiguous where they could have not made one. And it would have been all right. Well, like I said, what's weird about it is it ends, it ends with like the second movie ends with Born on the Roof talking to um, Pamela Landy, who is um, Joan Allen's character, who kind of takes over the, the she doesn't take over Treadstone. She takes over like the investigation into Born and Treadstone. Yeah, looking into it. Yeah, and so like it ends with him saying saying something to her, like she looks tired. Yeah, you look something. tired. Yeah. yeah. The third movie, right? Like that moment happens with a half an hour left of the third movie. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I do remember that now. Right. So it's like the it's like the second the third movie is the first hour and a half of the third movie is essentially taking place at the same time as most of the second movie, gotcha. which is really strange. Like the way they did it, I didn't even realize it until I until I watched. I'll, it just I'll now. have to revisit it. Like I said, I haven't watched all of them in a while, so. So I'm going to continue to play a little devil's advocate here. So LPJ, you just mentioned that this kind of has a happy ending. And I kind of feel like, is it a happy ending? Because, I don't know, maybe I'm naive. I don't know. But I think about like this this whole operation, how the CIA and Chris Cooper's character has to kill Bourne. And then he ends up getting killed. And it's like with all the people he's working with and the whole team, like no one is thinking about the ethics behind killing this guy. That's the whole point of the group. Is they just kill, and then they 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 come up with some kind of cover story and move on. So they just think they can just do the same thing for their own people. Yeah, yeah, they do. In the second movie, <laughs> they actually completely cover it up. They address all of that in the second movie. You should probably see that again. But but then you're but so that's the point too. Then you're saying that you need a second movie to kind of explain more what happened in the first. Yeah, I I like more closure in my movies. I guess that's. 
you know. Well, I mean, I I, I, I don't mean, know. I, I, I think, think, I think, I think it, it's closing as much as like Chris Cooper is the guy leading the program. They kill him off, and then they have that meeting where he's like, "Yeah, Treadstone. It just it was a training You're exercise." Just it and, off. It's like the end of like. But the then the of, other guy still makes it, you know. But it's like at the end of Raiders, where they're like, "Oh yeah, we uh, locked it up in uh, in a vault. The top men are looking at." I don't know, but it had a different feel. Uh, this is this is how I feel. Just <laughs> right, no, it's you know it is. Do we want to um, go ahead and rate this? Nope, I got some roll reversal. Oh, all right. So let's go ahead and do that. All right, roll reversal time. So um, Matt Damon was not the first choice to play this role. So we've got uh, Brad Pitt for Jason Bourne. Yeah, I like that a lot, actually. I mean, I, th- I think he would work just as well as Matt Damon. Yeah, I think I he could have done okay. I think I saw that he turned it down to to do Spy Game. He did, yes. <laughs> uh, Russell Crowe. No, thanks. Nope. Yeah, I don't think he would have done nearly as well. No, I, I agree. Schwarzenegger. <laughs> it would have been a totally different movie. Yeah. Well, well, and that's one thing that I remember reading. They said in the books, like, Bourne is a much older like man in the books yeah. like they they really aged him down for the movies so if they were going i guess with an older kind of version of him like the books i think maybe that might have worked but he's too kind of like he's too bulky yeah he's too yeah he's yeah. too much yeah, of like he's a commando he's yeah. not jason Moore. exactly he's not he you don't think of uh schwarzenegger as a stealthy like spy no. covert ops guy no <laughs> no, you mean Schwarzenegger is not someone that can easily disappear in a crowd? No, like <laughs> it oh. can fit into all those small European cars, like the giant man. <laughs> that's who we're going after. Are you sure it's that guy? <laughs> it's like that scene in Commando where he's like he, he's like hiding in the mall and he's like standing there like <laughs> staring into the. And it's like he's this giant, huge man and he sticks out like a sore thumb. Uh, Tom Cruise, maybe. Yeah, I mean, no, if you look at like the Mission Impossible yeah, films, yeah, like the Mission sure. Impossible, yeah, which no. essentially rip off a bunch of elements of the board series. I would say that like starting with the uh, um, Ghost Protocol, that yeah, they, they're another movie that's kind of inspired by this type Absolutely. of. Absolutely, yeah. uh, Sylvester Stallone. It'd be like Arnold. <laughs> yeah, I like yeah, yeah, again, yeah, no. And the only other one I found was for Marie. They had Sarah Polly was originally cast and then turned on the yeah, she, from Go, right? Yeah, because she was yeah. in Go. Yeah, yeah. she worked. And I think she would have been fine. Yeah, I think that role is like um, it's kind of universal. Yeah. So I I saw there was another one because they were originally going to make this movie in 1983. I don't know if you guys knew that. Oh, no. I do remember that. So they had plans to star Jason Bourne as Burt Reynolds. <laughs> oh, wow. Would he be able to keep the mustache? I think that was probably in the... Well, it's the, it was the early 80s. <laughs> uh, right? I think it wouldn't have mattered. <laughs> wow. That would have been weird. <laughs> they did a TV series, a small like, TV miniseries in 88. Yeah, I they saw did. that. Which, uh, which I, I had never heard of before. I never heard of it either. I guess no. it was just like three hours or something. Something, yeah. I don't, I don't really know much about it. Um, and, and we touched on this before, but they said that, you know, this is the, the, use, the, the titles were all titles of books that Robert Ludlum wrote, but this was the only one that had some semblance of the actual right. plot in the movie. The rest basically just used the titles. And actually, they said that Robert Ludlum, he died uh, while the film was in post-production yes. in uh, March of 2001, so right. he never actually got to see the movie. No. Oh, that's kind of sad. Yep. And then uh, his somebody took over writing the books after that. There's like 12 more books. Oh, there, there really is more books. There's then. a lot more books. Well, it's kind of yeah. like uh, Bond books. They still exactly. release Bond books. and. Yeah. Yeah, but somebody else just writes them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's interesting. Actually, it's the ghost of Ian Fleming. <laughs> oh, James Bond's going to space. <laughs> yep. Talk about, people who, talk about people who have some blow in their writing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now are we ready to give this guy a rating? I would say so. Sure. Say, yeah. All right. Uh, Debbie Downer, you want to go first? Yeah. Um, You guys did sell me a little bit more. Um, this movie just did not fit with me. I I don't know. Like, it should. I yes, love it. Should I love James <laughs> Bond? I love spy movies, but just something rubs me the wrong way. I like the beginning when he's trying to figure out who he is, and after that, nah. I I just I think I'm expecting more James Bond. You know, you guys have been talking about how. The movies, as I would say, is a little bit more realistic in how probably a true assassin would actually operate, and you get to see the more methodical workings of a killer. 
And I don't like that. <laughs> I, I want to see all the cheesy, stupid shit that James Bond does. Well, they say that, like, Treadstone is even inspired by, like, a real, like, CIA, like, secret cell that they had. It was called the Enterprise, apparently. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, this is probably stuff that actually happens. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. I just feel like, I feel like not everyone is utilized right. You know, Marie just kind of disappears, you know, and never comes back until... I don't know. I mean, I know she comes back in, in the Mykonos, and I already mentioned my issues with Julia Stiles and whatnot. But I, I don't know. There's just a there's too much that I'm like, what, why, why can't there be more of a climax? I was hoping for a little bit more action for an action movie. I get it's a spy movie, so I was only going to give it two and a half machine guns. Wow. I I really <laughs> did not enjoy this movie a whole lot, but I'll move it up to three for its significance. Okay. of what it's done to other movies since. So right. I'm giving it three machine guns. Right. And you know what? Based on, I, I thought you were going to be a lot worse, so I'll take that. All right. <laughs> I'll go next. Um, yeah, I like this movie a lot. I liked it the first time I saw it. I like it every other time that I've seen it. Um, I would say it's definitely, it, it's like like this one and Ultimatum, I would say, are kind of 1A, 1B, as far as like which one's the best in the group. Um I'm going to give this one a... I'm going to say four stars with this one. Okay. Um, there's definitely... They're machine guns. Four machine guns. With wow. <laughs> I did that last did, episode, it's though. It's this so. chair. We switched chairs. <laughs> Could be the chair. Four machine guns. Yeah, I'm going to give this a, I'm gonna give this four machine guns. I think you, every, everyone should watch it, and I, I, think it's, I think it's a really good movie. Um, I, You know, I kind of echo what you say. I mean, I love this movie a lot. I've seen it a ton. Uh, I always enjoy watching it. Uh, I enjoy the different elements of Bourne's character in this. You know, I enjoy seeing his hand-to-hand skills, his driving skills, his, like, mental kind of... All that stuff is very interesting to me that he's kind of a well-rounded, you know, not just uh, one-dimension kind of, like, I'm um, just beat people up. I like that. I like kind of the, the element of, like, hey, this could be a real thing that the CIA does and has these guys. Um, I think the action scenes are great. The the, the chase, the car chase is great. The, the fights, I, I enjoyed a lot. I, I'm right on board with you at uh, Four Machine Guns. All right. Uh, well, that leaves me. Um, I, I'm pretty much right there, too. Um, I, I was going to give it Four Machine Guns as well. I mean, I you know, same thing you guys said. I'm, I'm a big fan of the movie. Um, remember enjoying it the very first time I saw it. I like Matt Damon's character. I like that you're kind of learning about him as he's learning about himself. So there's there's that element of surprise. You know, what's going to happen next? Where is he going to be at next? Um, I, I know what you're saying with, with uh, the action scenes, but I kind of like the fact that it's a little more tamed. You know, it just it makes it feel more real. Um, it, it does make it feel like it's more of a, a true CIA spy secret ops type type movie. Um, you know, the action scenes are, are not crazy over the top, but but they're done well. Yeah. Um, so so I enjoy the fight scenes. I enjoy the car chase. Like you guys said, I'm not a huge Julia Stiles fan, so I don't care. You know, she, she was fine in the movie. <laughs> um, so. So, yeah, like I said, four machine guns. All right. All right. <laughs> Um, up next, we are continuing our bracket that we're doing here at the Last Action Podcast. So we are having our listeners vote on who you believe is the top action hero of all time. So this week, we have Mad Max up against John Wick. Mad Max from which film? We said Fury Road, from I Fury believe. Fury Road, okay. And I believe it was the first John Wick. Wow. And John Wick won. It's funny because every time you announce one of these, and I say it every time, and it's like, I want to see that movie. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see John well, Wick versus Mad Max. Devin was your guest for uh, Mad Max, wasn't he? It was, I yeah. was, yeah. yeah. So it, what do you think about this matchup here, Devin? I mean, it's a good matchup, but I got to be honest, I don't even think it's close. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really think it's close either. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, I think Mad Max is in trouble. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just don't see enough from him in that film, you know, whereas John Wick is literally just taking guys out, shooting everybody in the head. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it depends on the setting, I guess, of their fight. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, our listeners are going to get to decide to make that vote, and they can make that vote on Facebook, on Twitter, and then if they are patron uh, patrons um, through uh, Patreon, they will get an extra vote as well. So we do have for Gamezilla Media, which we work with, you know, they are our company. Um, we have a Patreon that you can go to, patreon.com slash Media. And you can uh, help us out $1 a month or $5 a month. And with either of those options, you get the chance to vote. But then we have so many other additional perks that are on Patreon as well. 
Uh, it helps keep the lights on, helps keep um, all of our equipment up to date and everything going well. So if you're wondering about, well, what else does GameZilla Media do? LPJ, can you tell us a little bit more about what GameZilla Media does this week? <laughs> yes, I certainly can. Okay. We have podcasts. Right, <laughs> like what kind? Oh, there. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. We Jack have us ass. on Mondays. The uh, the last action podcast. God, you're such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> on Tuesdays, we have the Gamezilla podcast, which looks at recent, uh, current gaming news. On Wednesday, we have our Dungeons and Dragons campaign called Noobs and Dragons. How about on Thursday, Joe? On Thursday, we have the Legend of Retro, uh, looking at old classic video games. Yep. And then Friday? Friday, we have the Movie Blast with Bob and Bax. Yep. So another chance to take a look at some movies. They do little 30-minute kind of quick rundowns on their show. Saturday, nothing new, but it's a good chance to listen to some uh, old episodes of the Last Action Podcast. Oh, there you go. And then maybe so- some ones with Devin, our guest, because yeah. he's done. Is it Commando and Mad Max? Is yeah. that right? This yep. is number three. Yeah, there you go. And to think we had to drag him on the first one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't, no, not really. <laughs> and then uh, Sunday, of course, is uh, Noiseland Arcade, the uh, Simpsons one, taking a deep dive into the Simpsons episode by episode. Yes. So as you can all hear, we have plenty of stuff for you. We would love to to have your support. So, um, what else we got? We should probably thank our guests. Yeah, Devin, thank again, you right? so much. It's yeah. always it's always fun when you're here. You do, you do the research well. You nailed that lightning round, put us both to shame. So yeah, that you know, was I impressive. barely had to do any work. Right? <laughs> not that I ever do any work, but yeah, you never you know, do. It was nice to it, it was nice, nice to, have to have not feel bad about not doing work. <laughs> it's nice to have a prepared guest. So thanks yeah. for uh, thanks for being here. Always happy to be here. <laughs> All right, and so with this episode of the Last Action Podcast, it is terminated. But we'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>